0: Good afternoon and welcome to Everyday Law. I am your host Bob Clark. As always the opinions that are offered on Everyday Law do not reflect those of the Howard Community College community and any legal advice that seems to be forthcoming to you in this program is not intended to be specific legal advice. If you need legal help it's imperative that you seek your own attorney. Our guest today is a person of extraordinary talent, someone who has had an extremely diverse career, moving through some of the most prominent law firms in the world to take her place as the head of the Maryland Tech Council. I speak, of course, of Tammy Howey. Welcome to the show, Tammy.
1: Thank you, Bob. Excited to be
0: here today. So I kind of vaguely chronicled your past but you worked with me briefly back in your law school days and then went to work at DLA Piper and then my recollection is that you went to Cooley and then left Cooley and went to work uh, as general counsel for a private corporation. Am I right about all of that?
1: Yes, you are. That is exactly what I did and I had a great foundation laid by having the best mentor in the world, as you, Bob, were my first boss ever. So,
0: Well, thank, thank you, you Tammy. That. You're going to embarrass me, but I will accept the praise from you. Mm-hmm. So ordinarily, in my mind anyway, people would think that the head of the Maryland Tech Council would be some sort of nerdy tech guy with a computer science degree or something like that. So how on earth did you end up in that position?
1: Well, the dirty little secret about me is that I am a nerd. So I was president of the math team and on the it's academic team and love science and math and ended up going to law school, but I practiced technology law. So I just represented tech and biotech companies um, when I was at DLA and Cooley and um, helped them get financing, uh, did anything from two guys in a garage all the way up to public offerings on both the tech and the biotech side.
0: See, those are things that I did not know. I knew you were a talented singer and dancer and performer, and that you had myriad other abilities, but I did not know that you were also secretly a tech nerd.
1: Well, it's a good thing I didn't get paid for the singing and dancing, because I'm <laughs> much better at being a tech nerd. So
0: it's
1: a, it's a good thing I left that as my hobby and law as my um, main source of income here. So um, so the reason that I ended up at the Maryland Tech Council is, as as you said, I was a law firm lawyer. And then I went over to um, the in-house counsel at a government contractor and realized that when I sold the the government contractor, I realized that I really wanted to make a difference in Maryland. And I'd always worked in Northern Virginia and D.C., but what I really wanted to do was help make Maryland the next innovation hub. And I've had time and I had the um, ability to do it, so I went ahead and just took the job.
0: Now, my recollection is that at the time you took the job, there were kind of two Maryland tech entities, the Chesapeake one and then and then the Maryland one. Am I correct about that?
1: Yes, you are. So I took a job thinking it was going to be part-time. So I worked for 20-plus years, never having a weekend off, uh, working in the frenetic, crazy pace of technology law. Started there when the dot-coms were going public within six months of starting up. Went to the nuclear winter of technology in 2008 and then reemerged as uh, this person without a job and said, okay, well, (laughs) I'll take over the part-time position at the Chesapeake Regional Tech Council, which just represented tech companies and mostly in the Annapolis and Baltimore area. Mm -hmm. And it was a nine-to-one job, and it seems perfect to me. And then within a month of coming to the job, the CEO of the Tech Council of Maryland had stepped down, and there was pressure on us to merge, and I ended up with more than a full-time job. And I'm probably working more hours and working harder than I ever did as a law firm lawyer.
0: Oh, my. And I gather you find this rewarding.
1: I love it. I love it. I think that Maryland is the most innovation state, innovative state in the country. I just think we're terrible at marketing it. We have all of the that are labs. We have amazing technology because most of our technologists are either trained by Hopkins, Maryland, or one of our great universities, or by the federal government. Nowhere else in the country do you have the convergence of great technical minds and resources of the government and great institutions. So um, I've just been having a blast helping companies um, become more sophisticated, making sure all their legal um, assets were in order, and then making sure the rest of the world knew what we were
0: doing. So how much of your job is legal as opposed to, uh, you know, in effect, coordination and promotional?
1: Um, So probably on the legal side, most of what I do legally is legislative work. So I spend a good third of my time doing legislative work. Before I came on board, there really was no voice for innovation and technology and biotech companies in Annapolis. There definitely was no local voice. So Um, We have a coalition of 43 organizations across the state, and I lead that as the one voice in Maryland for tech and innovation. Um, So I I draft bills. I meet with legislators. I'm basically a lobbyist, and that's my legal, what I do legally. And then um, the rest of my time is mentoring companies, helping bring capital to companies, and then marketing what we do here.
0: So when you say that you spend a good time, bit of time involved in the legislative process, are there any particular priorities that the organization as a whole has here in the state of Maryland?
1: Well, I am so glad you asked that, yeah. because I talk about it all the time. Um, so uh, the, the basic priority we have is to keep Maryland business-friendly and friendly to innovation. And so if any laws are introduced um, that cause, uh, make it harder to do business in the state of Maryland. We violently oppose them. Um, and the other thing we want to do is make sure that our companies have all of the resources that they need. So we need laws that attract capital to the companies here. So investor tax, uh, credits. We also need workforce development here. I mean, we have a great group of students graduating from the universities and a great talent pool here, but we need more. So we need to do things to attract people here. So internship legislation, anything that helps um, forgive some student loans for people that want to come and work in the companies here. Um, so those are probably our top priorities right now.
0: So when you say forgiveness of student loans, somebody you know goes to the University of Washington, they get their degree, they're out in that great tech hub out there, and you want to lure them to Maryland, what is it that hypothetically can be offered to them, and by whom?
1: So we don't currently have these laws, but I would love to have them, uh, which are give people that move here a credit if they go into science and tech or bio jobs, because okay. we have a huge need for those. We have 20,000 open jobs. In cybersecurity alone, wow! Um, every month, so I would love to have a tax credit. So, if you move here, you get a you know a tax credit for working in one of those areas, and then if you have some student loans, you get a tax credit for what you have to pay for those. So long as you're employed in one of our innovative
0: companies. So, how much legislative enthusiasm is there for that kind of proposal?
1: Can I tell you something? We have 18 bills on leg- uh, on. Um, helping companies that are innovative with workforce. I don't know if a ton of them will get passed this year, but I know Mm -hmm. one or two. There's one that, in particular, we are excited about. We've created a platform. It's a statewide internship platform for tech and biotech jobs, and it um, allows all of the employers in Maryland to reach uh, all of the potential interns that are across the state, Um, and with one application. So right now they have to go to each, have a a relationship with each university or community college in the state. And this allows them to input once and reach everyone in the state. Um, And with that, we also would like to have a tax credit or reimbursement for a company if they take an intern. So right now the bill is we get A little bit of money to finish our in maryland platform and roll it out to all of the colleges and community colleges okay and then the second part is if a innovative company takes an intern then they get the lesser of three thousand dollars or fifty percent of what they paid to the intern which is really
0: exciting that sounds very appealing So here at Howard County Community College, there's a lot of tech people. And I'm just wondering, is there some place they should be looking for information about prospective internships with innovative companies?
1: So June 1st, they can look at InMaryland.com, and it'll be up and ready to go. Um, And there should be a ton of internships available for them. They can always reach out to the Maryland Tech Council, so you can reach me at Tammy T-A-M-I, at Okay, and that's a good place. Um, and then always check our website. We have tons of networking events and educational events. Uh, I know we have a couple coming up to learn how to start a business internationally and do work internationally. We have a couple uh, trainings on mentorship, uh, all kinds of good stuff there. So, And that website's www.mdtechcouncil.com.
0: So so when you say you have trainings, are they things that one has to attend in person? Or people can, can they do them remotely or over the Internet or something?
1: You no, know, Bob. We are a tech council, so we are trying really <laughs> hard to act like one. So we have WebEx, and we have all kinds of different platforms. So you can go on, and we have a library of, of things that you can go on if you're a member. And any student can be a member for free, so they just have to contact us. And once you're a small company, it's a small fee to be a member. But members get any training in our um, library of trainings that we have. There's in-person trainings, there's WebExes if you'd like to do that. We have Zoom rooms. That's our newest thing, the Zoom rooms. And then there's um, a, mem- a mentorship uh, group that we have, that is uh, quite exciting. So right now we have 22 mentoring companies and 56. Uh, mentors that are registered, and we have licensed the curriculum from MIT, which is, in our opinion, the best mentoring program out there in the country.
0: That's fantastic. What is a Zoom room?
1: Oh, it's very cool. It's it's the latest. It's what all the millennials are using these days. So you set up a room, and you can either be interactive, or you can just have it a one way chat. And they're real quick, uh, and they're not as hard to. Uh, log into is what used to happen. You just log in, click in, and and you're in the the room as if you're there physically present.
0: That's fantastic. So how does all of this come together on an economic basis? How how does the the Tech Council and all these wonderful things get paid for?
1: So we are uh, an association, so we are self-sufficient. We do get grants, um, both federally and state, for certain projects. So, the Department of Commerce funds us for our In Maryland platform. We also have a platform called 4M um, that we partner with Evergreen Financial and to bring financial help to companies. Um, And then we also just are an association, so we have membership and sponsorship. And most unique things we have in the state is that we have a group purchasing plan. So, if each individual company needs to purchase their biotech supplies or their computer supplies or even shipping, then it would cost them a whole lot more. But we do a group purchasing plan, much like AARP or AAA does. Sure. And, um, and we make some money off of that. But the biggest thing is is our companies save substantially on the cost of uh, buying these products. So those are the basic ways we get funded.
0: Makes a lot and of sense. And then we have
1: some anonymous donors that believe it is important to keep Maryland innovative. So they just anonymously give us money to make sure that we're out there for the voice for innovation for maryland and those are amazing gifts that we get
0: that's fantastic so how much interaction is there with academic institutions in your work
1: so we are out there all the time we're working on a federal grant with 14 out of 16 community colleges in the state including howard yay um, it's called the tax yeah 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 we <laughs> love howard Howard County in general is, is an awesome partner of ours, by the way. We love um, everyone in the Economic Development Office and the Cyber Office and the Community College. So we are a big fan of what Howard County is doing, especially in cyber. They're, I would say, at the top uh, in the state for cyber and what they're doing. But so we have a grant called the TAC grant, and it's to help find um, and match students in cyber with cyber jobs. And it's been a great partnership. We've been loading up internships for students to take advantage of. And it really is a statewide grant that we have. We go all the way from the Eastern Shore down to Southern Maryland, out to Western Maryland, including Howard and Montgomery and Prince George. So um, we're interacting with those uh, colleges and universities all the time. And then we have a partnership um, in virtual reality with University of Maryland and always working on the buy side with Hopkins. So we are out there all the time. Currently, Montgomery College has engaged our members to be on the task force for making sure they have the most innovative curriculum and that they're pivoting with technology. Because the problem with technology is by the time it gets approved under the normal course of how you get curriculum decided in universities, it's outdated. So we're trying to work with universities and community colleges to be able to pivot, you know, quickly when a technology changes.
0: So how do you stay on top of things, Tammy? That sounds like quite a chore.
1: I have a staff of eight, okay. um, but we are a member-driven organization. Okay. So everything that I just mentioned to you, we have a committee for, and our members really step up to the plate and help us stay on top of it, help they take the lead on some of the programs. Um, so while I only have eight paid staff, I would say I have about 70 people fully engaged, making sure, because um, it's more of a cause. It's, it's really a mission. I think everyone is tired of California and Boston and Austin, Texas, Getting all of the props for being the top innovation when we see that our technology is superior in many cases. So um, we really are trying to to make this a mission that that we all do together.
0: You're getting me psyched up, Tammy.
1: Good, good. I'm glad. So we want all of the Howard County Community College students and the Howard County community to go into tech and biotech and really make us number one in the country. So.
0: So you've spoken about cybersecurity, and I understand particularly in light of various revelations about the Russian shenanigans and that sort of thing. How does somebody get into cybersecurity? Do you have to have some kind of computer science degree? Do you have to have some specialized training? What is it that one does on an elementary basis to get into that field?
1: So it's funny you ask that because— to be honest with you, the definition of cybersecurity is different depending on what person you talk to. Okay. So, um, to some, it's you have to have a, a, a super secured secret clearance to get into it because it's more of black ops. And other people, it's just ba- basic data entry. So, if I was going to give advice to someone who is entering college or even wanting to get a second career, and pivot a bit in their career, I would say definitely computer science is a is a definite must-have. Okay. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that you don't need a four-year degree. I mean, obviously, if you want to get into management, you need a four-year degree in cybersecurity. But if you just want to go into cybersecurity and want to be part of it, You don't even need a two-year degree. Sometimes you can go just get a certification of some sort. And I know all of the community colleges offer that, and they also offer the two-year degree and the four-year degree. So they should look into cybersecurity um, specialized programs or computer data entry even is great. And then in cyber, there's such a need for um, employees all over. So even if you wanted to be an HR professional that understood cyber, you could take a couple of cybersecurity classes and then get, um, you know, a specialty in HR recruiting in cybersecurity.
0: So having been married to somebody who has a security clearance of some significance, I worry sometimes that today's students might feel uh, constrained in trying to get into something like cybersecurity because they smoke pot or they got, you know, a DUI or that kind of thing. Are those things constraints? And if so, how can you kind of remove them from consideration? So the
1: younger you are, the easier it is because you have less going on. So I always tell people, get it as soon as you can, because it's almost like a guaranteed job for the rest of your life once you get a security clearance. So. um Just because you've done something that might not be viewed as perfect, as long as you don't lie about it, oftentimes you get cleared. Now, I'm not an expert on clearing, but I've always been told and always recommended to people that the big thing is just don't lie. Okay. So you will definitely not get in if you lie about something, but if you're not, if you're not perfect and you don't lie about it, oftentimes you do get your security clearance.
0: I see. So are security clearances necessary for both private and public jobs?
1: Not always. So there's, I would say there's two different classifications. You definitely have, you know, a bigger pool of jobs to go after with a, a security clearance because then you're open for all of them. But there's plenty of jobs in cybersecurity that do not require clearance. And right now, the Department of Labor under Secretary Schultz is working on an apprenticeship program where you can have, There, there is currently a cyber apprenticeship program where um, you are paid and you get a two-year training, much the same way as a HVAC or plumber or electrician um, teaches you. You get paid for the entire two years, and it's front-loaded so that by the time you're about nine months in, your security clearance comes in, and then you can apprentice with a secured job. Um, so that is a really interesting program, and we are happy to share information on that. We have um, a partner on that, uh, which is great. But definitely, um, you might as well try and get the clearance um you know, obviously, you know, I, I don't know what everybody does out there, but um, <laughs> just don't lie. That would be my
0: advice. Makes sense. Opens more doors if you have the security clearance. Yes. Yes. So just for the benefit of the Howard Community College students, this apprenticeship program that you were just alluding to, is that something that you get involved in while you're in school, after school? How, how does that work?
1: So you can get involved with it at any time. Okay. So you, um, from the graduation from high school through, you know, as long as you're in the workforce. So you can be 70 and and apply for one. So basically the one we are working on, we work with um, a company called Trans Ed, and they have a curriculum. So you would come to us, and we would connect you with Trans Ed and one of our members that is hiring, and you would just go interview with a couple of open positions, and then um, basically you get a, a curriculum that's meant for you, depending on where you are. Um, in your life, and um, get a you know a great mentor and a great company, and for two years you're guaranteed employed, and most times you're hired after. Um, so it's a great path with little risk, and you're not having to incur a ton of debt. Um, there also is a couple plans where you can um, do apprenticeships and get uh, some community college credit, so okay. that you don't have to make a choice. So you come out with community college credits and. Um, have had a job for two years. So that is particularly interesting for someone who can't afford to go to school full-time but needs a job and also wants to train at the same time. So you could have it all. You can go to school, you can have your apprenticeship, um, come out with college credits and have had a job for two years and most times a security clearance.
0: That sounds fantastic.
1: Yes, it's very exciting. Maryland is really progressive. I think we have one of the first cybersecurity apprenticeship programs in the country. So we're really
0: excited about it. So do you have occasion to go around the country or to other countries and to talk to other tech council type people? So
1: we have two organizations that we belong to. It's One is Bio. And actually, I have a big meeting at three o'clock today to talk about you know, the bio-innovation nationwide. So um, that council is right here in D.C., which is great, and every state in the country has a bio chapter and we're the Maryland affiliate. It culminates in a big bio um, convention. This year it's up in Boston, and we're hoping to get it here in the next two years. And all of the biotech companies come and we talk about innovation and show off what each state has, and Maryland has a big pavilion. On the tech side, we have two organizations that we work with. One is called Techna, and it's all the tech associations across the country. And the other one is Computer Technology Association that puts on the big consumer electronics show out in Vegas. Oh, yeah. So we work with both of them. Yes. So that's really exciting. And then for the state, the Maryland Chamber of Commerce often promotes this, but a lot of tech companies aren't members there. So we are trying hard to promote this. But... The uh, Department of Commerce has an international plan where if you are a company and you're trying to get into business internationally, they'll help sponsor you um, to get over to a conference to meet with potential customers or someone to acquire you or someone to finance you. Um, And oftentimes we accompany our companies that go there. So I think I'm going to be going to South Africa in the fall with a couple of our companies in cyber to really help promote them. So when I'm there, I help set up meetings and I guess I sort of have my lawyer hat on as I'm negotiating partnership agreements. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I tell them to get their own lawyers, but I try and help them facilitate those agreements. So,
0: so what about a tech safari? If you uh, have a tech safari in September, I might be coming along on the trip.
1: You know, Bob, I think we should start that. That would be fun, <laughs> and we could definitely get a lot of business done. So I'm in. You
0: let me Okay. Know. All right. Well, we'll put this one uh, in the envelope, and we'll consider it later. Um so That's great. what What about finding jobs, generally speaking? I mean, the apprenticeship programs sound great. All these things sound great. Are there job fairs or are there, you know, things that people should attend if they're looking for tech work?
1: So, yes. So there, each of the universities have job fairs for students um, all over. We are going to be putting on a job fair in the fall, which is, you know, going to be very helpful. The Department of Labor has a bunch of job fairs, um, and then there's across the there's a couple organizations that really are into um, hiring people that aren't necessarily in colleges, but they're looking to retool and get jobs in a different field. And one is um, right here in Anne Arundel County, there's a, a, a workforce development. Montgomery County has workforce. I know Howard County has workforce. So each of those individual counties puts on their own job fairs. Um, and often we have them listed on our, our um Events list on our website.
0: You read my mind. I was going to ask where people could get information about that going forward. So, and would so you, our
1: website, yes. or if you're looking for something a little further out from tech, then um, the Department of Labor has a very um, inclusive website. And we're talking and about the State
0: Department of forward. Labor as opposed to the federal, correct?
1: Yes, State Department of Labor.
0: And I gather you must work with them a good deal.
1: I do. The secretary there, Secretary Kelly Schultz, is a former tech business owner. And she is just um, full of energy and full of ideas and has that can-do attitude. So I really enjoy working with her and really putting our brains together to think about how we can fill jobs and create new jobs that help people get employed and then, you know, be participants in the economy of no
0: so, as a brief digression, and I, you may not have an opinion or thoughts about this, but you know the whole nation is in a tizzy about the Amazon two headquarters, and I wondered if you all are involved in any aspects of that.
1: So we are so involved in every aspect ah, there of we that. go. So um, super important for us to make sure Amazon comes here. Um, I think that it's uh, a real nod to Maryland that we got to be a finalist in the top 20.
0: Absolutely. And
1: as a place, um, you know, I was a big advocate for um, getting it close to one of uh, Jeff Bezos's homes. Mm-hmm. So we did a, uh, we helped Baltimore Business Journal do an article uh, the day after the announcement. And um, we mapped how close the, All the final locations were to each of his homes, and Maryland wins because he has a house just over the Montgomery County line in D.C. that he um, recently purchased, and we are the closest. So I think we have a good shot. Not only do we have the workforce, we have diversity, we have the give back. He's very into social consciousness, and he's into having a good public transportation, and the spot in Montgomery County has it all right there. So we're excited. It's close to the Washington Post, which he just bought. And um, if I'm betting, I would imagine that he would want to have things close to places where he has other businesses. So, Well,
0: it's funny. also wonderful if you have the place in Seattle and that connects the West Coast. If you have a place in Montgomery County, Maryland, then you're really in a posture where you connect the East Coast well.
1: Right, exactly. And if you think about it, they've had no true connections to the federal government. So it never hurts for a company to have headquarters near the federal government if uh, they plan to do business with them. So very excited that they're this close and obviously for the tech um and biotech market for us it would be a huge huge driver of new businesses here and people would want to be in and around uh, amazon's headquarters much the same that they've all grouped around the under armor um
0: headquarters oh yeah in Baltimore. oh yeah so what's the timing on the amazon thing or does anyone really know
1: gets by the end of the year, which is a genius marketing strategy. So we all are talking about it all the time, whereas if we knew for sure it was going to be July or August, then we'd all put it on hold and think about it a week before. So um, next time I'm trying to do a marketing tour, I'm going to go around the country and say, who wants me, right? That's just a genius <laughs> idea that they have.
0: You know, it helps if you have 50,000 jobs attached to you, Tammy.
1: Right, Exactly. <laughs> Well, maybe like- after our tech safari, we'll have 50,000 jobs. You
0: know, I think that would be wonderful. So are there international aspects of this, too, that we're not seeing for Maryland? Are we trying to bring in companies from Germany and Austria and France and South Africa? Or how is all of that working?
1: So the Maryland Department of Commerce has a inbound program where they are trying to get more companies. Uh, companies to locate here for their international office, for the sure. U.S. office of an inter- uh, international company. So there's a couple of incubators around that offer space. Um, we're working on a partnership with an um, incubator that's mostly open right now that I haven't finished yet, but soon there'll be an announcement where we're going to have an international landing spot for co- uh, companies that are not in the United States. It's the perfect spot Maryland is because we're so close to the federal government. They all really want to be near the federal labs, the NSA, um, and they want to be close to the, the embassies where they, they feel comfortable. So I, I would love to become, you know, for business. When I was a business lawyer, all of our companies were incorporated in Delaware because that was the place which had the friendliest and safest rules. They and do. Um, I'm hoping Maryland can become that for the international business landing spot.
0: Well, I am hopeful that that will work out. It sounds like you have an awful lot of work ahead of you, but I'm very proud to know you, Tammy. And I think as a cheerleader for the state of Maryland in the technological world, you're the perfect choice. I'm most grateful, and I think the students at Howard Community College will be fascinated to hear this show and hear about the opportunities that would be available to them.
1: Well, great. And tell them all to start companies, come to us for help, and remember us when they are the next Amazon that they need to make sure they're in Maryland.
0: I think that's an excellent idea. I'd like to thank you very much, Tammy, for appearing on Everyday Law today. And I'm hopeful we'll get you back because it does seem like you and I could talk about this area for hours. Yes.
1: So when we win Amazon, have me back and then we'll talk about all the great things that are coming. All right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay. This has been Everyday Law. Thank you, Bob. Take care, Tammy.